We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. James, welcome. Thank you so much for giving us some time today and I uh, really appreciate it. So for those that are arriving in the room, um, James is my guest today and we will be talking about quite a few things really, but Marketplace is, is one of those focuses, something that James knows a lot about. And um, we are actually live right now on TikTok and we are recording this session for uh, release as a podcast later. So um, just to make you all aware, I, I think um, it breaks somehow Clubhouse rules. Not sure how or why, but it does. So just making you all aware, we are recording today's session. But James, um, to you first, maybe um, for those that don't know you that are listening to this as a podcast or in Clubhouse right now, do you mind just giving a little bit of an overview of what you're all about? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And this is the first live podcast recording I've done. And the first time that um, a conversation I've done has been on TikTok, I think. So extremely exciting stuff. I am James. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a startup called Encore. And we are a marketplace for booking musicians. So we provide musicians for weddings, for events, uh, parties, TV shows, all sorts. And um, obviously the last 12 months hasn't been a great time to be in the uh, musician booking industry, but we are seeing an absolutely rapid recovery in the last few weeks. So it is now quite an exciting time uh, to be working on that business again. That's actually great to hear that, that, that you feel excited, I, I guess. Um, do you think the industry is going to bounce back quick? That seems to be the prediction. Do you, do you think that's... Oh, it, I mean, it is bouncing back, like, remarkably quickly. We basically saw all of our metrics jump up just after Boris went on TV. So I think it was about, three, was it three weeks ago now, four weeks ago, he went on TV and he announced, like, the roadmap and the sort of the plan to ease lockdown um, going up till June. And genuinely, like the evening after that speech customers started flocking to the website and since that speech for the last three weeks our traffic has at least doubled and not just are we getting more traffic but the customers coming to our website are far more serious about booking now they have a lot more confidence that their events in the summer are going to go ahead and there's just a huge backlog of everyone who wanted to get married last year or put on a party last year and had to push it back by a year plus everyone who wants to get married this year. So I'm not joking, like it looks like our revenue this month could be the highest it's ever been, which I wasn't expecting to say during a lockdown, but um, we're sort of picking up where we left off 12 months ago, which is really nice. That is nice to hear. And did you ever think that Boris Johnson would be your best salesperson? <laughs> I I did not. No, I really I really did not. I think um yeah with with our customers it's just it's just having that confidence and just sort of feeling that even if you know right now we're still in a lockdown and we're still trying to get like control of the virus the idea that in a few months time more people will be vaccinated, events will be going ahead. I think there's just a lot more optimism now than there was even, you know, 3 months ago. I always find it interesting to see like markets like the Middle East, uh, Dubai is already advertising um, vaccine holidays. 
You know, really? if you've been vaccine, if you've had the vaccine, you can come on holiday to Dubai. And so oh, wow. it's it's kind of an interesting trend, isn't it? It's going to be an interesting time. But but honestly, again, so so happy to hear. What what part of the industry do you think is coming back the quickest? When you say you're you're making revenue for the first time, maybe for those that don't quite understand what Encore is, maybe explain it and then and how does how does the revenue side work? Yeah, sure. So we're a marketplace business and that means we connect supply and demand. So demand in the form of event organizers, people getting married, people who need musicians and supply in the form of bands, soloists, string quartets, orchestras, basically anything you could think of. And as a marketplace, we charge a commission on successful bookings. So musicians pay us a percentage of the money that they earn for every booking on Encore. And so our revenue is just a percentage of how much customers are spending on the platform. Um, we have obviously been making some money for the last 12 months. We haven't hit zero, but it was it was pretty low compared to where we were, um, you know, pre-pandemic. Uh, so it's really exciting to see it sort of jump back to where it was now. What did musicians do when, when they could no longer play? How did people make a living? Because assuming, you know, furlough didn't cover musicians, um, I might be wrong it's on that been, point. Yeah, it's been really tough. Um, it's been really tough for musicians. I mean, in April last year, we launched a service called Personalized Music Messages. So you could essentially commission a sort of musical postcard from one of our musicians to send to a loved one if you couldn't see them for a birthday or to send to someone who was maybe even in hospital and couldn't have visitors. And a musician would sort of read out a short message and then play that person's favorite song for them in a video. And it was really, really nice. And that helped some of our musicians make over a thousand pounds uh you know this time last year when there was no other income obviously from gigs um i think a lot of musicians have continued teaching and have been teaching over zoom i know a lot of musicians have tried sort of virtual performances and and live streaming i know some musicians who've seen great success with twitch so actually you know, musicians who knew nothing about live streaming 12 months ago now have hundreds of people signing on two or three times a week just to sit and listen to them play covers and play their own songs. And they're actually making a decent income from that now. So there have been some really uh, resilient musicians who sort of found ways of of uh, navigating the pandemic. But on the whole, it's been extremely difficult for musicians. And um, I know a lot of them have also retrained. So they've become delivery drivers they've you know they've had to take other jobs um until the industry recovers do you think clubhouse is providing any sort of support resource to uh, the musician ecosystem well it's really interesting because as of january um i started actually performing music myself on clubhouse so i i had this idea just to put my phone down by the piano and just to sort of sing some songs see what happened and take some requests and the first time i did that um it was a couple of my friends basically in the room for like two hours just requesting silly songs like abba and you're beautiful by james blunt um and then a friend of mine uh with a huge clubhouse following joined and she pinged everyone and suddenly we had a hundred people and we went on till like 2 a.m and I've been doing that every Thursday night and it's been extremely fun. And a couple of weeks ago, I just decided to add like a tip jar to my uh, bio in Clubhouse. So 
basically just saying to people if you're enjoying this music that i'm putting on every week and i have other musicians as well um doing it with me who also have tip jars and i just say if you're enjoying it you can buy me a coffee and the default amount is like four pounds or something so it's obviously not very much but you have some people who are very generous and will give you know 10 or 20 or even more and actually just across the last two sessions i've done i've made over 150 quid just from wow um, performing covers uh for a couple of hours a week so you know i think i think tipping in like live streaming can be very variable and i think you know you can have these evenings where you have a particularly generous audience and then you can have evenings where they're not so generous um but there's definitely opportunities to sort of make money on clubhouse as an artist and i think it's a really exciting platform because your audience can speak to you and it sort of feels like a gig because you're having conversations with people you're bantering with them you're actually talking to them mm. and for me it feels far more real than like going live on instagram where i get no audio feedback and i just get like emojis from people for like a couple of hours that's actually quite a solitary experience but clubhouse is inherently social and conversational and i think that makes it really exciting those listening to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Music and you don't know Clubhouse, um, you might be missing out because this content is actually being released slightly later on Spotify. Um, I feel suddenly we've become the marketing team for Clubhouse. I think we all work <laughs> for Clubhouse right now. But but it is interesting. And, and, and I think the whole tipping culture, I, I have experienced that a little bit on YouTube. There is actually the ability to tip on YouTube. And I, I was quite shocked because I, I did a video saying about you know how successful I was. And then someone sent me five pounds. <laughs> no, I was kind of shocked, you know, it's, um, but, but again, you know, I was just saying, uh, this morning to my wife, I, I, I personally made 80 pounds on YouTube. Um, and, and, and I'm, and wow, you know, 80 pounds, I think how much money that is, you know, I, I come from humble beginnings to make 80 pounds by putting out content that you love to do is pretty, pretty exciting actually. Right. So if you're, if you're getting 150 pounds doing something you absolutely love, that, that sounds like a good case study for, you know, for Clubhouse anyway, on how you can actually make a living doing what you love. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, this is definitely, the, the music is a sort of side project for me. So I'm only doing the piano bar sort of once a week. But I think if a musician was sort of committed to the platform and, and spent, you know, maybe did three or even four or five sessions a week, um, I think, you know, they could make a decent amount of money. It might not be enough to live on, but it would certainly supplement income from other sources. Well, um, I, I know you're a marketing a mar marketplace expert, and, and, I, and I wanted to talk about that for a little bit, because I know a lot of my audience listening um, want to understand how to build marketplaces, how marketplaces dynamics work. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'd just love to get some of your insights, really. Um, you know, do you, do you, can you break down a little bit how you see a marketplace? How have you managed to build your marketplace? How did you go about it? Yeah, sure. So there's always the chicken and egg problem that people talk about, which is, you know, do you find customers first and then when you have demand, go out and get suppliers? Or do you spend a while building a network of suppliers and then go to customers and say, we have a, you know, a list of suppliers for you to choose from? For us, we actually spent at least a year to a year and a half solely focused on the supply side so we built a sort of networking tool for musicians where they could you know find bandmates they could follow other musicians that they already knew in the real world and sort of discover new artists and we spent a year and a half doing that in the uk and we managed to get the sort of network 
going viral amongst musicians and we got to about I think it was about 20,000 registered artists after about two years um, who were sort of engaging with the platform and using the platform and so then when we went uh, to the demand side and we you know switched on our paid marketing and started bringing in customers they had a huge range of musicians to choose from um, response times were very fast because we had like liquidity and a good density of supply all over the UK and I think for us that was a great like a great decision and it, it paid off um, obviously then once you have customers and you have a lot of suppliers the challenge is curating those suppliers and starting to really focus on quality not quantity but for us I think getting a huge sort of supplier base first was a great tactic. I guess in that regard, like lockdown, has it, have you seen an increase in numbers because people look for alternative ways to make income? Yeah, it's interesting. We haven't seen a huge, we haven't seen a huge spike, but I think a lot of musicians who were maybe using other platforms or they maybe, you know, had a decent stream of gigs coming in just from their own network. I think those types of artists in the last year have been looking for you know ways to join uh, platforms like Encore also so I mentioned um, the personalized music messages that we launched last year around April a lot of musicians signed up to sort of get on board with that because we had a lot of press coverage for it and we had over a thousand of those sent all over the world so we had some musicians signing up for that and then at Christmas time we were doing a lot of virtual Christmas parties for companies so obviously every single company around the world was trying to figure out what to do for their Christmas party and we had some really cool musical workshops and games that companies could play with our live musicians so we had a few musicians joining specifically to sort of help out with that as well. And if you went back to the beginning of your business and, and started it again is there any lessons you've learned from building a marketplace that you do differently? Yeah, the one that comes to mind straight away is to focus on SEO from day one and to really put a lot of energy into the organic marketing and the organic side of the business. I think when you're starting out and you have, you know, zero customers and no demand, it's very attractive to look at platforms like Google AdWords, um, Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing. It's very attractive to basically give them money and switch on traffic almost, you know, instantly. Um, but it is possible to become too dependent and too reliant on paid channels. Whereas SEO and sort of writing content and creating content is the long game. And you will not, you know, publish a blog post or publish a video and see much traffic at all for the first few days or even weeks or months. But if you do that consistently, you know, week in, week out, that traffic will compound. And as you start to climb the Google rankings, you will get this really like defensible chunk of traffic that costs you nothing at all. It's completely free. And I say this as, you know, as someone who was, our company was reliant on AdWords for a long time. Um, and, you know, AdWords can be some, sometimes quite hard to predict. It's a very complex um, auction basically and if your competitors start spending more money your acquisition costs are going to go up as well whereas with SEO um, for the last 
two or three years now we've just been really focused on that really working on trying to push ourselves up the google rankings and actually this time last year when uh, the whole sort of events industry uh, collapsed for a while um, we had to switch off paid marketing because we were trying to you know keep costs as low as possible but thanks to the seo work we'd done we had this steady stream of people still finding us through google that weren't costing us anything and i'm glad that we focused on seo for the like last two or three years but i really wish we'd focused on it you know for the last five or six years because it's extremely powerful it's just it doesn't give you the instant gratification that paid marketing does. great insight so again just for my audience to understand i mean to create seo content actually still has a cost right because you've got to write it yeah. so yeah, i'm yeah, assuming you're, you're 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 probably are you personally a natural writer or do you do you have do you hire someone to help you or how do you how do you get that so, content produced a few years ago we actually we would once i think it was about once a quarter we would do something called a content day where four or five of us would either meet in the office on a saturday or i had some of the team come around to my flat and from about like nine till four like four or five of us would just crank out blog posts and write you know four or five thousand words each across like four or five articles each and so I quite enjoyed that I think I can write quite quickly and and I quite enjoy it but that wasn't a sustainable strategy a it was on a Saturday and it kind of involved people uh, giving up some of their weekends which is not ideal um, and b it was very spiky so like we'd have a lot of content released and then we sort of wouldn't release anything for three months and then there'd be another load of content released and google quite likes to see a website that is consistently creating fresh content like regularly so now yeah we have i think it's at least two freelance writers who are sort of working through a list of headlines that we give them and we give them a, a sort of set of guidelines on how to write good articles for our blog and now we have, I think it's two articles a week being published, um, which is exactly what Google wants to see. I spoke to a growth hacker yesterday, which I, I still find that terminology quite scary. I was even scared to talk to them and can somehow they hacked <laughs> me. But um, but it, I get they were partly saying, uh, do both what, what you're talking about. Like do, do the kind of ad spend reach piece as well as the SEO. Um, yeah. Again, it comes back to your budget. Mutually exclusive, absolutely, absolutely not mutually exclusive. And I think in the early days, you know, um, if you went a hundred percent on SEO, you would not see much traffic um, for a while. It would take a while, so you can't fully rely on it. Um, but I do think, I think what we did was we saw traffic coming from paid marketing and just sort of doubled down on that because you could see very quick results. But then obviously your marketing spend is sort of going up and up. And we just neglected SEO. I think we knew it was important, but it was never urgent. And at some point, you need to step back and think: actually, this is this is more important in the long run, and we're going to have to start investing in it to see the results. You know, in a year or two years' time. The other thing I personally this 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 is my personal view. I'm not saying I'm right. Is um, I feel like places like Clubhouse and even podcasts, to a certain extent, are a form of SEO. Right, they're, they're the voice-activated SEO. People can hear you; they hear your what you're up to, and then they click through to your other social media channels and connect to you. Right, so there's kind of a new voice-activated SEO. I think what's really interesting with what you're doing is that you are 
because the, the thing with clubhouse is it's it's sort of instant and then it disappears right so you are recording this session as a podcast to then produce like an everlasting piece of content that someone could find you know a week from now or a year from now or two years from now so i think yeah it's really smart taking what is usually a sort of instant piece of content that disappears a bit like a instagram story or something and turning it into an everlasting piece of content that yeah could definitely start climbing the rankings of google and generating constant traffic for you yeah i think it's it's definitely a new format but i find that um what i find with clubhouse is that sometimes you might say something to a room of people and then um you go to another room and you don't know if people have already heard it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, I i find myself repeating myself a lot on, on platforms like clubhouse what i like about creating i guess even a podcast like this we we have spoken about our marketplaces today so there's a tag to it and people can go and watch if they're interested in that right so mm. it's uh it's kind of interesting to see how the two different formats play out but what has been interesting i guess inside the clubhouse ecosystem again sorry for those listening to this on spotify and apple podcast but you know it is it is interesting because people then follow you within clubhouse and then you can bring them with you uh, to, to, to the new content that you're producing. So a form of SEO, but, um, but James, um, I could actually talk to you all day. Um, this um, business for breakfast podcast is, is 20 minutes. And so um, I want to thank you for giving your knowledge and we have our next guest uh, joining now. Uh, Evan, are you there? Nice to see you too. Hey, Evan. So, well, look, uh, James was just sharing his insights around Marketplace. Um, and by the way, anyone listening to this, you'll be able to connect to James by the links in the description of the podcast. And of course, if you're on Clubhouse right now, you can just click follow on James. Um, certainly uh, someone worth following. And um, yeah, I'm sure James has also got um, a blog post that's SEO on SEO. I'm sure you, at some point you should do a, a, a blog post, James, around that. And people can go and download about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's do it. I'll, I'll, I'll sponsor it if you like. Let, let's get that up so people can then um, and not only hear what you've had to say today, but go and read how to do it. So thanks, James. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by the Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and the Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.